make the case that Hammerskull's assassination was to prevent Papuan sovereignty over this this island more so than it's it's typically argued by people who have this perspective that Hammerskull was killed in part to make sure or you know largely because of where he was killed that it was that that must have been the reason for it that it must have been related to Africa yeah but you make the argument that the sort of transnational supranational right wing corporate imperialist you know uh hydra that that Dulles <laughs> controlled really yeah. just because something happens in Africa doesn't mean it's about you know that what happens is about what ha- what where yeah, where it happens. Right. so press a press a button here they get effect here i mean yeah. it would be harder to it would mm-hmm. be harder to believe that were it not for the what does end up happening in indonesia i mean the the fact that there really was that gold there and that it was everything else happened in such a way as to have this fall into the lap of you know U.S. corporate interests uh, in such a way as a result of mm. all these things that happened over decades. I mean, I think that it actually is. I would guess that Hammerskold was a problem, not just and Kennedy as well, that they were problems in general for yeah. everything that happened. If you look at what happens under under Johnson in Congo, they back the U.S. backs um, the person who killed the Mumba. You know, I mean, they he's a puppet for 30 years. In fact, yeah, yeah. he's also Shot. very friendly to the um, Mobutu is also very friendly with Prince Bernard. You see pictures of them hanging out together um, later. So some of these same characters uh, like Mobutu is very analogous to Suharto. Sh- and then there's the dictatorship in Brazil also that the CIA mm. under Johnson puts in mm. and, and they're given free yeah. reign. So. You know, I think that it, it's quite plausible that it was that the Indonesia situation was behind what happened to Hammerskold. Uh, but, you know, he was a problem all around, mm-hmm. it would seem. I've told Susan Williams that I think it was the altimeter in the plane that was fiddled with. She was she wrote that amazing book that really brought who killed you know, Doug Hammerskold, brought it out in the open, caused the UN to start the reinvestigation and everything. And and she she basically agrees uh, that yeah, if only George Ivan Smith had stayed alive, well, was alive. She wasn't even in. She hadn't even started the research, and he was already passed away. See, but I I came I came to that in the late what is it late seventies or something, because I thought Alan might have been involved because he he was involved in the death of Lumumba after the Senate Church Senate investigation found that out. But I was going to say Lord Lansdowne. Lord Lansdowne was a British operative in that period in the Congo. He also went over to Malaya later on, was involved in Malaya. So I think he's he's sort of like a common link between uh, what happened in the Congo, for example, and also the beginning of uh, Confrontasi. He was involved in, in the, he was in the MI6, basically. Right. Which that takes us past. So once this deal with West Papua gets ironed out and it it is going to go to Indonesia, and you say that Sukarno has 30 months to sort of enjoy his victory before 
the events of 1965, but really he's not able to, yeah. it's not a relaxing time period because of Confrontazzi. So what, what is Confrontazzi and, yeah. and how, how have you been able to clarify the origins of this? Because again, this is another one of these, when you lay them well, all out, like you do in the book, you see how the, the, the hand yeah. of these, you know, Western imperialist forces in terms of guiding things toward the ultimate yeah. end of 1965. So what was Confrontasi and how was the West involved? Yeah. Confrontasi, I think, was like a war economy. <laughs> it was people blame, everybody in Malaysia blames Sukarno and half the people in Indonesia blame Sukarno. But actually, Sukarno did not start Confrontasi. Yeah? Uh, if any, if the main Indonesian character involved in the start of Confrontasi was Foreign Minister Subandrio. And how it actually started was something else again, because most historians or historical accounts point the finger at the Brunei Rebellion, end of 62, as the spark that started Confrontasi. Yeah? But I interviewed the man who actually started the Brunei Rebellion, British intelligence. I think I, that's when I described in the book there about he's swallowing that piece of meat. Right. Did you read that so part? Do you, do you think that where that's an interesting part? So he starts to he's reading <laughs> something and you're distracted, and he apparently is so distracted himself that he chokes. <laughs> he chokes. God, amazing. I, I was just reading something and he was half dead. You know, blue in the place. He couldn't call out. He blew and. A waiter came running in and went kaboom and hit his back and this piece of meat went flying through the air. You know, very embarrassing because it's a bit of a high colonial club. It's a high-class place, you know. That's when I took my tie off as well. It was too hot and was, the fans were going around like this, you know, on the 14th of August, I think it was, in midsummer in, in England. It was a hot place without air con and everything. So I took my tie off and then somebody else took the tie off. Somebody else took the tie off, you know. And everybody took their ties off. It was a logical thing to do. But the colonial officer sitting opposite me said, you colonials, you know, you, you're sp spreading this bad influence in the culture. <laughs> he was half joking, but I could see, yeah, he was a notorious. Uh, I found out later he was, he was sent to Hong Kong and he got involved in child molesting children and stuff. He's, he's really a nasty character. I didn't. When I interviewed him, I didn't know that, but he ended up uh, here. And the other interesting thing was the the British intelligence operator in Kuching at the time had a family, and the daughter of that operator contacted me about six months ago saying, did I have any recordings that I made of me with interviewing her father? And well, I didn't, actually, because he was... He wasn't quite as involved in the dirty business as, as some of the others, so I didn't try to contact him, even though he was still alive. Sadly enough, but we've been in contact ever since. And she was saying uh, the CIA involvement in in start of Confrontasi. Yeah? Some guy was sent over from uh, Vietnam as well. She got sent me a photograph of him. <laughs> Amazing. But how Confrontasi started after the Brunei Rebellion was that. MI6 tried to give weapons to Chinese communist underground in Sarawak, which were all young kids, they're 15-year-olds, 25-year-olds, you know, a couple of 2,000 of them. And they, you know, 
they got tired of playing with sticks, so the so the MI6 tried to give them some weapons and make them a viable force. But they got suspicious. The communists got suspicious of the MI6, so they brought in uh, William Andreas Brown, the American CIA man from from Singapore, and he he did that up at you know, 10, 10 kilometers up the road. He he did the deal, and he gave them weapons so that. When the Brunei Rebellion broke out and troops, British troops came from Singapore going up to Brunei, they went to Kuching first and frightened the living daylights out of these 2,000 group of communists who ran over to Indonesia with their weapons. That's what started Confrontasi. And Subandrio was the biggest voice in Jakarta shouting out, oh, we must help our brothers in trouble. You know, this is mostly Chinese, and Subandrio was the big voice who'd been against the Chinese in after after the uh, details in the pocket, you know, the, all the documents in the pocket, 58, 59, 60, all that. He was he was the big anti-Chinese. Then he became, we must help our brothers. And I've seen evidence in the archives that Subandrio was actually very close with the British in working together with the British. I wouldn't call him a British agent because he was a bit too independent. Uh, whereas Lee Kuan Yew in Singapore definitely was working with the British. Yeah? He, I've seen it, the documents there are indisputable that he was a British agent, basically. That's how he became prime minister. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire. 